back. Another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and an Oscar Sprint Profile. It's been a little bit since we've done one of these. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Mike 1. That is also Mike. This is our OSP of Loose. Mm -hmm. And this is August 31st, 2019, the three-year anniversary of the movie La La Land. You like pronouns. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, here's what I learned from this movie, though. I want podcasts to be more like movies in the sense that we get like a banger score song <laughs> like when our internal conflict is at its height yeah like i want that for us okay and I, I, I i'm in yeah. i don't think it would work all we gotta do is hire these two that uh but jeff barrow and ben salisbury that did the music for loose they seem to have a master of tone down yeah when i when like we're editing and i want sky hooker to play well like i'm really mad at you about getting mad at disney and stuff uh, that'd be great i think we should work that in again i always go back to the cable guy was the one who had it right when Jim Carrey said that you know what the problem with real life is there's not enough theme music. There it's is a thousand not percent theme. right. Absolutely. My God, you just quoted Cable Guy and it sounded <laughs> sage-like. The wisdom on that. That'll be our wisdom that's of the episode. We, that's where we got into 2019. Oh my God, <laughs> we've come full circle. Loose is the property that we're doing today, giving the Oscar Sprint profile treatment to it. Maybe no more appropriate time to talk about an Oscar Sprint than what we just talked about in our last episode, the Oscar Race Checkpoint. Talking sure. about how once November, September, these months hit, we are literally getting pretty much a contending movie a week if not two or more especially in the last two months of the year here in 2018 or whatever year this is 2019 I guess <laughs> uh, so we'll start that we'll start the sprint right now with Loose this is a movie featuring Naomi Watts Tim Roth uh, Julius Ona it's based on his play a lot of stuff to talk about if you've not joined us before for an Oscar sprint profile this is our bread and butter this is what we do most often we take would be should be and will be Oscar contending films and we put them through the Oscar sprint profile paces what that means it's like always you'll get your two reviews a non spoiler section followed by a spoiler warning and a spoiler filled review so if you've not seen loose yet you don't want it ruined for you don't worry we'll have a non-spoiler review for the first half of this all we're going to talk about is the box office the specs the performances all that fun stuff the plot driven narrative stuff our highlights lowlights what we thought about the film in general that'll all be after the spoiler warning in the spoiler section of the review Let's start the non-spoiler review of Loose, though, Mike. Run down the cast and crew for this movie that both of us enjoyed. We did. We do. We enjoyed it a lot. And if we put Loose on one side of a spectrum, right, Mike? Mm -hmm. One side of a movie spectrum. On the other side of that movie spectrum would be the Cloverfield Paradox. <laughs> but Fair. What's insane, though, is... They were co-written and directed by the same guy, yeah. Julius Ona. I don't I understand that. I don't understand it either. <laughs> we have a playwright, and, uh, and the original screenwriter for this one is J.C. Lee. Now, this makes some more sense because he is the writer and producer of HBO's Looking. That mm -hmm. is a good drama, interpersonal relationship drama. That makes some sense. How to Get Away with Murder with Viola Davis. I have never seen that show, but I pretty much know the premise. It's about getting away with murder. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got all kinds of cool psychological warfare in this movie sure as well. So that makes some sense. The title character of Loose is played by breakout star in this, Kelvin Harrison Jr. What a smarmy dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those characters you don't know if you love him, you don't yeah. know if you hate him. You're, you're, you're guessing the whole movie. Great which performance. Is, which is a lot of fun. It Comes at Night, Monsters and Men, Assassination Nation, JT Leroy. A few of his credits, Mike, but I didn't really notice him in those movies. No, me either, but this is certainly a coming out party. Jumps off the screen yeah. in this one. Mulholland Drive Naomi Watts, Who? 
is the uh, mother Amy in this So let's one. talk about that for a second. I thought this was Nicole Kidman. Like, literally watched the entire movie, yeah. sat through it, was like, oh, Nicole Kidman was great in this. But your eyesight is not very good. If you're, you're blonde, white, and Australian, you're Nicole Kidman. That's it from now on. That's how it is. If you're white, you better. That's right. That's my mindset. <laughs> Mike, Naomi Watts was nominated for The Impossible in 21 Grams. Will she get a nomination here? We're going to have to talk about it later. And she was in Big Little Lies. That's true. No. Ah! <laughs> yeah, you, now you got me doing it. You got me screwing them up. One of Tarantino's favorites, Tim Roth from Pulp, Hateful Eight, Reservoir Dogs, plays Luce's adopted father, Peter, in this. Has such a bro haircut in this, too. He's he so does. Americanized. He does. Yeah. He has the new office haircut, yeah. like the really cool, I work in this office type high stuff. stand up yeah. where we have beanbag chairs, <laughs> that kind of hairdo. He was nominated, Tim Roth, for Rob Roy in 1996. Octavia Spencer, of course, in this trio of supporting actors. Literally a Swiss army knife of an actress. She's won the Oscar for The Help, mm-hmm. and that was a big, over-the-top performance sure. in many ways. She's she's funny. She's got the dramatic scenes. Hidden Figures, same deal. She's got comedy scenes, dramatic scenes. Shape of Water, same deal. Yeah. She's given very similar performances for those nominations, and they're all great, and it's no wonder that she gets nominated every year, pretty much the way it seems. Could be this year again. She plays Luce's T in this one as Harriet Wilson totally different kind of performance loved it absolutely loved it we'll talk more about it even keeled and we're gonna get into it I thought the ensemble did an awesome job as well I agree Norbert Leo Butts (laughs) Mike Norbert Leo Butts did not miss his calling as as a principal as a real life principal no if you have that name you have to be a principal at least once even if it's fake on screen (laughs) (laughs) principal Norbert principal Butts that would not have worked I think they're like mad tv skits to this effect haven't grown up from the fifth grade on (laughs) oh we haven't there definitely was a key and peel skit about principal Butts I don't know some principal (laughs) with a goofy ass name it was SNL or something Mike Asswipe Johnson Mike (laughs) Andrea Bong is Stephanie Kim in this. She has some incredible scenes. Mm-hmm. Marsha Stephanie Blake might be in the award season conversation after her role as Rosemary Wilson. That's Octavia Spencer's sister in this. Yeah. And finally, Astro. He's got the one-name power, He, a.k.a. Brian Bradley. Would never work for you or me. No, not at all. Mike. Just we, Mike. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> doesn't even work. Mike. Uh, fuck. Yeah, see? Yeah, it doesn't work. No, no, no charge. Astro plays... Deshaun Meeks, one of Luce's friends and classmates, uh, and single name power. Yeah, God bless him. For life. If you could pull it off, you're a lot cooler than either of us can ever hope to be, uh, which Astro certainly is. We'll talk about some specs for Luce. Mike already told you some of these written by J.C. Lee, who wrote this play that this movie is based on, mm-hmm. and also gets a screenwriting credit alongside director Julius Ona. Lee is an up-and-coming playwright who is starting to expand his empire more subtly into the world of television, having already worked, like Mike told you, not only on how to get away with murder, but also HBO's looking, and has a hand in developing various other pilots and shows for the likes of both HBO and FX coming up. Uh, certainly a name to keep an eye on in the screenwriting Good. industry there. Oh, he's a talent. This film debuted at Sundance this year, where it received some rave reviews this Despite not landing any awards, though it did finish as a grand jury prize nominee, eventually the distribution rights ended up being sold to Neon, who was able to make a deal in partnership with little-known Topic Studios, and they chose to hold off the theatrical rollout until August 2nd of this year, which is when this film had its debut date. It's an R-rated film, runs for 109 minutes, it utilizes the talents of Jeff Barrow and Ben Salisbury, like we said, to do the music, as the duo did for Ex Machina, Free Fire, and Annihilation. Ah, uh, that makes some sense so, now. Uh, that's what I said. I'm like, oh, Annihilation, I get it. Yeah. Ex Machina had that yeah. weird, creepy it's, it's score, just too. just like mono 
percussion percussion stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know musical terms, but <laughs> I know percussion. Uh, we have Larkin Sapel, or Larkin Sapel, I apologize if I mispronounced that, who did the cinematography, as he did for Swiss Army Man, and I don't feel at home in this world anymore. He would make a good principal because of that name. <laughs> Madeline Gavin, who did the editing as she did for City of Joy and the Dave Franco Emma Roberts film Nerve. Though the film has been going incrementally wider every passing weekend, it's still not been in more than the 160 theaters it was showing in this past weekend, which itself was an increase of over 100 more screens than were showing in the prior weekend before. As such, it's only grossed north of $863,000 thus far domestically, though its weekend gross has increased each week, and last weekend it was over a quarter of a million dollars, so you hope it keeps expanding and keeps making money, though I wouldn't say it seems theaters? very likely. Uh, only 160, I think? 160 was the uh, the top number so far. That was okay. last weekend. Maybe it's more this pa- this weekend coming up. We'll see. That's uh, not good. Not good. Still, the film is critically praised. It carries a 7.1 IMDb score, though only on 791 reviews. 112 critics, though, do have their totals, rating the film as a certified fresh entry on Rotten Tomatoes, as it stands at a 93 critic score. And the audiences that have seen it have weighed in to give it a Rotten Tomatoes audience score of a respectable 80%, while its meta rating is equally as respectable at a 73 those like, are the specs for loose. This movie is much more fun than that box office. So we talked. Yeah, right? we talked about this. I would say even more so than maybe an awards profile suggests. I, I, to me, and I wanted to start off our spoiler review by giving the grade. I still might. I don't know. We'll see how we approach it. But to me, this is more like an entertaining movie than it is even an awards movie. I'm really happy to talk about You're this right. movie. Like right. this is one of those films that you go and see and then you talk about it afterwards and it's and that's the most fun you'll have all week. Right. Especially because, when you're a nerd like us. Well, there's some like there's some heavy downs right. that I'm going to talk awfully and angrily about. Yeah. But it's still I still give it a very good grade. Because the highs are just super high. And I love the composition of it as well, especially the script. Let's get into it. The plot premise reads, and this is a run-on sentence that really bothers me, Mike. I'm hitting the table <laughs> with my thumb. We're not happy about this. A married couple is forced to reckon with their idealized image of their son, comma, adopted from a war-torn Eritrea, another comma, after an alarming discovery by a devoted high school teacher threatens his status as an all-star student. So that's supposed to be about the son. Yeah. So there's multiple commas there, and it didn't work. Basically, there's this all-star kid. He's an adopted child. Everyone puts him on a pedestal because he's a valedictorian, and he's great, and people love him, and his name is Luce, and he ends up battling heads with Octavia Spencer's teacher character. I want five minutes to dissect the grammar <laughs> of this plot premise because I'm really upset about it. And save the cat, Mike. Yeah. They give you like a plot premise Mad Lib where you can come up with your own plot premise, and they just give you the grammar right there. And this... Just completely ignores it. I'm very upset. Are you okay? No. All right. (laughs) Mike, what were our expectations for this movie, though, beyond the premise? Uh, Which, if I had read beforehand, I would have been upset. (laughs) But go ahead. I expected not what I got, to be honest. I expected expected Octavia Spencer to be kind of just a devil's advocate, more so than actually we get a lot of her backstory, and we get a lot of her as a person and a well-rounded character, which I know we always advocate for, but I suppose I didn't expect her to be as main a player in this. Mm -hmm. I thought it would really be a reckoning between the parents and the child, which there is a lot of that, but it's like this triangular dance as opposed to a straight line. J.C. Lee really understands that exposition is ammunition. Like, the exposition of one scene will factor into the next scene and certainly into those Act 2 climaxes, yeah. Act 3 climaxes. For and, and really, the exposition of each character is something they each have to reckon with in, yeah, in their for arcs sure. as well. I love that. 
Not enough people are seeing this movie. Nobody's like, seen like it. we said. Yeah. Uh, in terms of expectations, mine were super high after Next Best Picture, led by Matt Neglia, that whole team over there. They've been gushing about this movie for a month. They they live in New York City. They're right. able to see it over there. We in the boonies here mm-hmm. in the uh, suburbs, we have not been able to see this. Where do we live? We live in the sticks. Uh, is where North we live. Carolina. We have not been able to see this movie until the last few weeks, and I can't wait to dissect this now with you because this movie is being ignored by the public, and it's and it's upsetting to me, but it's also fun in a way. I like doing a review on this because it's a fun movie to like. It's that hidden. Yeah, you that you, you saw it twice. You were the only one in your theater the second time. You said right. I was the only one. I mean, I saw it. I think I was I was two of six people in my theater yesterday when I saw this. There's nobody going to see this movie, and it's a damn shame. I expect it to be out of theaters by in like another week. Yeah. Two. So you, if you're going to see it, you better see yeah. it soon, or you better get the groundswell and get right. everybody there so that it stays the, in theaters. Mike, production values. Two highlights for me. One is the cinematography shot on a 35 millimeter. The blocking and the lighting in this is just outstanding. Like you said, shot on actual film, so it's not electronically done. It just looks, it's so simple and so bare bones, but it's so effective. There's no crazy shots. There's some tracking shots. There's some one shots that follow around, but it's just, it adds to this just feeling, and the score does too, and I know that's where we're going next, not to give it away, but Mm -hmm. there's this feeling of fucking dread hanging over everything. It's a character study, so the close-ups are there when they need to be, and then, you're right, the claustrophobia of suburban life enhanced by this score. This is one of the better scores. One of the more affecting scores in a while by Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow. In particular, Luce's theme, which is kind of the opening of the movie, it's the number one song. Which is the same (laughs) cadence as certain alarms in this movie. I I love that. I I hate even minimizing it by calling it a trope, but that go-to that... It's done, not done enough in cinema. You have, like you said, a theme song for a particular character. Sure. And you play it at different intensities and different speeds all throughout the movie because it mm-hmm. indicates different things and it's so in line with the one character that it represents. Mm-hmm. And they do this beautifully throughout this entire movie. And if you go for no other reason than to say, hey, what they're doing with the score is pretty freaking cool. What they're doing with the score is pretty freaking cool and loose. It's awesome because the banger song is used at like the height yeah. of tension leading it. into each climax. So yeah. you, right before act two, you're getting into that big moment. And that's where you have to escalate things, and they do that by Beautifully. the use of music. So I, I love that. Review the performances. Good God, we get some good performances in this one. Are they Oscar-worthy? We can ask about each of them. Kelvin Harrison, let's start with him first. How old do you think he is? 24. Yeah, 25. 25 I'm good with ages. Yeah. I, work, I work with kids. <laughs> but you know what's funny? I know he's older. We had this cool. argument about the Tarantino flick, right? But uh, Pussycat was a 25-year-old actress, supposed to be obviously playing, portraying, I should say, an obvious 16-year-old yeah. actual Manson girl, all the problems that that had. Because this kid, to me, looked like a 20-year-old and not like an 18-year-old, mm-hmm. and so much of this plot is tied into giving credo to this obvious 18-year-old, it did come across as an issue for me. Right. Like he, yes, this is a grown man convincing grown adults of these things. This is not an 18 year old kid who it's supposed to be portraying convincing. This isn't to say this wasn't a great performance by him. Mm-hmm. It's not really his fault. He was cast in this role and he performed it beautifully. But I had that in the back of my mind. Like no way would an 18 year old get away with this, with these adults. The, the acting that he's puts on display is, is really, advanced. It's advanced. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. It's really unique. Now, my criticisms of his character, this is not of the performance, Mm -hmm. of his character, it's fascinating how this movie 
just completely explains away those criticisms in the third act. And I love that about the the screenplay of this whole thing. That goes back to my 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 problem with it. Isn't it a little too refined for a high school senior to get away with this? Absolutely. To do these things and think he this far out. Does have a unique <laughs> upbringing. He does. And he does yes. have. I mean, he's a he's a weathered personality. I mean, he's come, comes from a war torn situation. He's had to go through like five years this of is serious as therapy. As manipulated a petri dish of circumstances. Right as I think it could possibly be, and that's a credit to the screenwriter. I agree. So let's get into the supporting performances, and I do think they're supporting performances from here on out. If I Lu- would agree. If, yeah, if Luce is the protagonist. Mm-hmm. It's Anytime, it's really tough sell to say someone else is the lead when the movie is named after a character. <laughs> that's just where I stand. I'm sorry. That's true. And this would be the perfect year for Sorry, a movie. Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. True, right? <laughs> for a movie where you're just trying to get any nomination, mm-hmm. right? Put her in the supporting category. Yeah, don't do this. She won't stand up. Octavia Spence is who we're talking about right now. Don't put her in a lead actress category because she's this one isn't a lead performance, and two, if it is, it's not going to stand up compared to what's going to be there at the end of the day. And she's also had half the the screen time of the last few supporting winners. It's not going to stand up to who we end up with the other four if she does get in this category. Maybe Regina King aside. Regina King didn't have a lot. But anyway, the year before, Sam Rockwell had twice this screen time as this performance, I would say. You think so? Yeah. As a supporting character, you're thinking, so in Three Billboards, you thought Sam Rockwell's character. That's an interesting More argument. screen time. I, I would like okay. to calculate the screen yeah. time at the end of the day, but that would be my guess. Okay, let's compare Mrs. Wilson and that performance mm-hmm. by Spencer to the last few years. I would have put her over her Shape of Water performance in 2017. I didn't think she should have been nominated for that personally, yeah. so yes, this is with a bullet for me. In 2016, you had Viola Davis, Naomi Harris, Fences Moonlight, Kidman, Spencer for Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams. That's a tough year. She's probably my sixth. It's a very tough year, and nobody's beating Viola Davis, who should have been in the lead actress category anyway. I'm putting her over Rachel McAdams in 2015 for Spotlight. That's tough. I that is you tough, that and that's a good argument. That's a hell of an argument. But yeah, I mean, I, I, if nothing else, you're not going to say Rachel McAdams in that role runs away with it over what Octavia uh, Spencer is doing in this performance. I would go out on a limb and say that this Spencer performance may be her most versatile because she's not really playing what we're used to seeing her play. She's got the big emotional crying scenes yeah. and the, the comedy scenes, and she's made a living getting to this Oscars, which is insane to think about. Because she's like regular at the Oscars right. after these last three performances in particular. And then this is totally different. This is the calculated, the nuanced, the very reserved, the understated. This is the chess This is akin to what she face. did in The Help at some points, really. I mean, that Oscar-winning performance of hers where she's kind of going head-to-head with a main character in this movie. And it's just a, a, a match of wits, which is essentially what this entire film really is. This reminded me of Sleuth, the two movies yeah. of Sleuth with Michael Caine, who played the younger guy and then the older guy in the, in the remake. I love that. And yeah, her poker face is one of the best out there. But I love... That she shows, like, the cracks in the poker face. Like, she shows her tells. Well, that's what I meant by, by getting a, a full, well-rounded character of her. I didn't expect us to get the backstory with the sister who's coming out of, I don't know if it's a mental institution or a halfway house. I don't know recovery what her deal is. Recovery center, Recov- I think, yeah, for re- drugs. Yeah. So, whatever her, her problem is, and I have my issues with that whole character as it is being inserted into this storyline. Okay. I don't think it's wholly necessary, but the fact that it's there, okay, fine. I didn't expect to get that well-rounded of her, because usually in this situation, when you have a, a tete-a-tete and a me versus is you type thing you're not really concerned with the the backstories of the characters more so than what you're worried about what's they're going to the interplay between the two, two, two of them is going to be but here we're getting like 
why the interplay between the two of them happens in the way it does because of their backstories and because of their home lives. It's the perfect storm. Yeah. The, everything that is created here is the perfect storm. And like a little finger, I can give you the little finger metaphor now. You have a clue of what that means? My pinky. I know who little finger is. I know All right, but little finger would always be Mayor the... Carcetti from The Wire, yeah. Yeah, he would be able to adapt to the your plans and have his master plans play off of your Which... plans. Which... Maybe, unironically, is kind of what the loose character does right. the entire time as well. And the performances say that to me as uh, Yeah, awesome. agree, so agree. The parents, Naomi Watts and Tim Roth, we love these two performances. I think they're phenomenal performances. They're just pretty much, I mean, they're not bit parts, but they're not featured performances. Which is, I mean, if you're asking Naomi Watts to give you a lot in a, in a feature play, a feature role, you're going to get the best feature performance ever. She what hit, you get? She does hit the same note like four or five. Like she's very stubborn as a character and she hits that same protective motherly note oh, yeah. for like six scenes in a row. And then in the final scenes, you get something a little, a little more different. Range, yeah. You get some more range. So not as versatile as the Spencer. Whereas Tim Roth is more of like a quiet riot. He's very yeah. cute. He's, he's, when he has anger and emotion, he tends to keep it to himself and run off and deal with it in his own but way. But he wants to handle things directly right. at the same time. At the same time, she is driving the bus. For and they you know as, what? As they're kind of like plot devices to move, but that's the way you use plot devices with those types of characters. Not to have them being glaringly, you know, glaringly like move them, the, move the movie along. Their exposition is with loose, so it supports right, right, and that's what they're reacting to when when you get the payoff scene on their exposition. Yeah. I really like that. Let's take a moment and just say, Marsha Stephanie Blake, Andrea Bong phenomenal scenes and they're only really given one highlight scene a piece and they kill it absolutely crush it good for them i don't think it'll rise to the level of any kind of academy recognition but they're certainly given a moment to show their range and their performance and that's they both excel viola davis had one scene in doubt and that one scene was nominated for an oscar it's, it's happened it's a good point. before. It's, a good point. it's happened before in supporting performances. I'm sure there's another four or five examples. I, I remember. But were it to happen, about. my argument would be were it to happen in this movie, Viola Davis is Viola Davis, just like Naomi Watts is Naomi Watts. I would think they would go that way as opposed to giving the one scene yeah. shine to an unknown, a relative unknown at least, like Stephanie Blake or uh, Andrea Bong is. So we hit on a lot of our script thoughts throughout that discussion of performances. I, I do think the script works. We're going to take issue, I think with the procedural of it some the, the, our worst come at least my worst yeah no no, no this, speak for myself no you're absolutely right i'm trying to think of, about a way to, to, to fine tune it it's like the issue the, what happens in the movie the a to b to c is great mm-hmm. the a, the between a and b and the between b and c would never fucking happen in real life in real life <laughs> we've worked in school right each of us right and these things are the, like the They're protocol. Giant leaps to conclusions. Proper protocol is not yeah. followed by anyone. Every adult in this movie is an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> That's not giving too much away. But yeah. every adult in this movie is terrified and stupid and racist. It, yeah, and racist. Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we go into the spoiler section, Mike, let's let's cap off the non-spoiler thing. You still work uh, within school limits because you are the head track coach. And within this movie, <laughs> that Luce is a superstar track athlete, track is a big part of this movie, the track team, you have some issues. I steeled myself against having issues that would make me dislike the movie to the point. <laughs> now, like, so I'm okay. okay. I'm okay. okay. I knew they were going to be terrible. I'm glad they showed them to me in the trailer. Right. 
I knew they were going to be god awful <laughs> and thoroughly unrealistic. And I'm I'm okay with it. But did I write paragraphs that I'm going to try and not say about how terrible and are those hand drawn diagrams? It's re- revolting to me. And number one, you got thirty year olds running with Luce, who's a twenty four year old. Right. Like you would never put them in the same heat together. You, that, how quickly would you discourage the you know, your thirty year old who's been in high school for eight years, nine years? Okay. No, no, I can't do math again. Yeah. Thirteen years. Right. He's been in high school. Sure. This 30-year-old, who's your extra, running in lane six. <laughs> his elbows and his elbows are wider than the lane. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. He is 20 meters behind the people in the middle lanes. I would argue a 30-year-old running track alongside any high schooler <laughs> is going to be a there. problem. He's going to be there. Like, they didn't have to coach that extra to just, hey, can you hang back a little bit? Right. No, he is that slow, that person. I'm watching him run. He is that slow. You would discourage that kid off the team. What kind of coach would do that? Now, despite all, all your shortcomings with the actual track of this, <laughs> this is a watch for you. This is definitely a watch for me. It's a fun movie. I think there's a legitimate Oscar lens with with uh, Octavia Spencer. Do you want to talk about adapted screenplay? Because some of these movies might not live up to it at the end of the day. The Irishman. The, the, we could see there's a path for that to fail and flop magnificently. I agree. Spectacular yep. flop. That would be the most spectacular. I wouldn't put my money on it, but we, we can see that happen. Sure, there's a world in which that happens. Little Women. Can't see that happening. Okay, Ford versus Ferrari. <sighs> if it hits, it's going to be a big hit. Jojo Rabbit. You could see that flopping. Totally, right? Yeah. The could gold... see that not, not being, coming out. The Goldfinch. Could see that flopping. That, I would argue that has flopped already. <laughs> Motherless Brooklyn. We may be the only people that watch that trailer. <laughs> because <laughs> I haven't seen near the outrage I thought we were going to have, but I'm outraged by that trailer. So those are the films atop Clayton Davis's list right now at a, at a war circuit. Endgame. So you're telling me... Yeah, I mean, Endgame is on top of my yeah. list. I, I, I believe Disney's going to push that movie to the moon. I've seen more Robert Downey Jr. Best Actor momentum in the last two weeks than I've seen okay. since the movie came out. So yeah, Endgame would be the obvious inclusion yeah. there. But to me, Loose, why not? Why, why couldn't it break through these others, especially if three of them look like studs? It's Neon. Neon doesn't have a whole lot of experience as far mm-hmm. as going after big six categories. It did have I, Tanya a couple years ago. Alice and Janie obviously won supporting actors for that. They're not really... We don't really know what they have as far as capability-wise for FYC campaigns, so it may be new territory for them. They, they've, they've hit on some other Oscar perennial-type stuff. They have Apollo 11 this year as well. They had uh, Border last year, which was an international feature. Mm-hmm. So, well, am I going to exclude it? No. I would be surprised if anything other than Octavia Spencer gets uh, past the threshold of Academy consideration from this movie, which is kind of a shame. I agree. It is a shame, and right now she's be- in the lead category on award circuit. Get her out of there. Don't do that. She's 22, but Don't we could totally that. see. Yeah, get her supporting. Okay. Get, that supporting is the, is the path for her, I think. Definitely. Let's, let's dance. Let's dance. Or at least run Trek. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. 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 Spoil
Mike and Oscar, Oscar Sprint spoilers! This is the spoiler section for the Oscar Sprint profile of the movie Loose, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause, go out to your theaters, and do go out to your theaters to try and see this while it's still there. Uh, we'll be here waiting for you when you come back and hit play. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear the ins and outs of the plot, or at least our thoughts of them, or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you cannot possibly go another minute without hearing what happens in our takes on those, this is where you want to be. All spoilers all the time from here on out. Mike, Mike, and Oscar giving the Oscar Sprint profile breakdown of the movie Loose. So let's talk about how we're going to work ourselves through this spoiler section, Michael. So when we get a great mystery or psychological thriller or kind of horror mystery that we want to, like, really figure out and, and unlock, we tend to go chronological. That, that's been working for us. So again, if you have not seen this movie, we are going to spoil it now. We are going to go through the plot and kind of break it down from step one, scene one. All right, so the first look at this movie, we have... We're zooming in on a locker, we're in high school, we hear people chatting, we see a locker open, and we see this nondescript paper bag be thrown into this locker. This makes me very happy as a screenwriter because you get paper bag at the beginning of the movie filled with something mm -hmm. illegal, and then you get paper bag at the end of the movie take out of that the theme of the movie. Right. I, I love it. Love, absolutely love that. Great job. And we also don't see we don't see any kind of color of who throws the bag in, right? Or no, whatever. it's shadowed. We don't know. Okay. So the whole, what, why is this bag important? Because we come to learn that this bag houses powerful firework explosives. Mm -hmm. Why does this matter? Well, we soon go after, I'm going to call Naomi Watts Nicole Kidman because I actually have her in my notes as Nicole Kidman. <laughs> But it's Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts, who is Lucy's adopted mother. She's adopted. Yeah. She runs her own practice. She gets a phone call from the school, specifically from Octavia Spencer's teacher character, who says, hey, can you come in and have a talk? And they talk about Luce. Luce has written this paper. It's a convoluted assignment. We don't really get what it is, other than write about how they would approach life. Yeah, you're basically taking on the opinions of that character. You're right. writing through that character. That would be a good exercise for you and me as fucking screenwriters. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great exercise. You're asking for trouble if you're doing this in a government class, in, in a, a historically cl government class. You should class. basically say, all right, look, if you're going to do this, take the perspective of... You've all gotten Gandhi. These, yeah, <laughs> these five people. Right. Jesus, Gandhi, right. MLK, like the best people, that's it. So Luce takes... The perspective of a historical Marxist, Franz Fanon, who essentially said that the way for the peoples to get out of hierarchical control is to rebel and that ethnic cleansing in those cases and violence is a suitable answer to the people's problems. Now, because Luce has come out of a war-torn country, because he has chosen this obscure philosopher, really, for, right. a, for a government class, for a main class. Which is red flag number one. I mean, if a high school kid is picking this guy with this assignment to write through the lens through... Octavia Spencer's dead right. This is provocation. Right. It is provocation. And now, she should have passed that along to the principal... Immediately. Immediately. But she... And this is smart. It's a clever screenwriting tactic here. She presents Naomi Watts, slash Nicole Kidman, mm -hmm. with the fireworks, with Luce's paper, and just says, listen... He is too important to this school for him to screw this up. He's too important to all of us for him to screw this up. Just talk to him. Take the fireworks, take the paper, and just talk to him. So we have already competing ideologies. Uh, Naomi Watts isn't really sure what to make of it. Yeah. Octavia Spencer is is pretty much brushing it under the rug for the most part. Is right. basically saying, I'm not going to report this. I'm not going to bring it to the principal. He's a good kid. We all need him to do well. We already have the ideologies laid out in the first 15 minutes that will become issues. And that's enhanced by when we do get home, there's a conversation that Luce does have that says that he has an issue with Harriet Wilson's character, the Octavia Spencer's character, because she is participating in, in token tokenism, basically. 
And everything she does, Luce's exactly right because everything she does confirms that much like everyone's a symbol to her i don't like tokenism he finds the paper and the fireworks in the cupboard and he basically discovers that the parents had this meeting the parent and the teacher had this meeting the provocation that he used for his teacher and then whatever the fireworks were going to be there for which we don't get an answer for we don't know i mean we find out what they are used for obviously right but we don't get the original intent of why loose had these fireworks in his locker and even if they were his there's enough questionability because loose out comes up with the excuse when he finally is confronted which isn't until later in the movie he says well we share the track team shares lockers all the time somebody you know could have thrown that in there half of my stuff is in somebody else's locker it doesn't really work that way we don't know if those were his fireworks we just don't and my guess is they were not but that's the whole mystery of the right. movie right. which is fun like you don't know if loose planned it from the jump i don't think he did you don't know if loose really did cross the line in terms of criminality because this is crossing the line you have illegal fireworks they're illegal for a reason you're a kid you make a mistake you commit a crime as a kid it's a different level of punishment but that's the, that's where we're wondering about this character the entire film is he just provoking his teacher or has he crossed yeah over i mean to the, the first 20 now? minutes of this movie you are presented with the, the facts and the facts of the case can read one of two ways Kid taken away from a war-torn country that has maybe a predisposition to seeing violence on a regular basis, learned how to shoot a gun before he learned how to write. He has explo dangerous explosives and just wrote a paper from a narrative of ethnic cleansing. Or 18-year-old right. high school kid shares a locker with teammates, happens to have fireworks on him. Right. It's the I mean, right away you're given the choice it. of how to interpret the facts of the case. I, and Beautiful. I love that setup. Yeah. That's perfect. So, Luce does find the fireworks that his mother tries to hide from him. His mother has not yet confronted him about what Octavia Spencer's character told her about. Mm -hmm. So, the next day, Luce gets out of bed, goes to, into school early, and he is the superstar kid of the school. He's right. a captain of the debate team. He's the captain of the track team. He earns the captainship. Given one speech after another. Valedictorian. Yep. Yeah. So... He goes in for early debate practice. And what does he do for debate practice? He specifically asks the principal to get Octavia Spencer's character in the room. And he needs to go over this debate, the points of this debate, which just happens to involve these two famous court cases dealing with students' ex expectation of privacy within school. Right. And he's grilling Octavia Spencer's character uh, about what her interpretation of these laws and how these cases were rolled out because should students have an elevated level of privacy? Is it all just fair game? Because he knows she went through his locker because he saw the fireworks from his locker that his mother did not confront him about yet. Totally passive aggressive, uh, an ambush of Harriet Wilson. And it's to the point where she's got to be super rattled at this point and she's rolling with it for a while school is a unique social institution and the principal's there too yeah. so she's got to like control herself so he's got that extra i mean literally control on the experiment here which is kind of weird to think but he's thinking that advanced students are not adults in the eyes of the law is privacy a civil right feelings are not a reason in the eyes of the law etc etc you get all this debate and really it's just sparring between these two characters I hated that scene. I hated that scene. Because if she's a real teacher, this is just more like adults acting like assholes. If she's a real teacher, she has nothing to worry about. Because you don't have an expectation of privacy if you're, if you're a student on school grounds. Mm -hmm. And the principal would a thousand percent agree with her take on that. And yet, she is loving this student for what he represents right this is she a, knows he has to do well this is an all-star student who the principal just said 
in very casually racist terms, yeah. clearly racist terms, and casual about it. That's why this one is my thoroughbred. Fuck, who are this? The white people in this movie, awful. I just, they're awful. So we go from that scene later on in the day. Luce walks in on Miss Harriet's room. She's having a conversation with someone talking about talking to Rose about taking medication. Yeah. Why you would have that conversation on school grounds when you just are going through this, starting this tug of war with this genius student? I don't know. Another red flag for me. But Luce hears that, walks in, and they have this conversation. There's a, a, a conversation had about basically more needling of Harriet's character, and Luce ends the conversation with randomly and non-sequiting his yeah. way into talking about how 4th of July is his favorite because of the fireworks. And he knows that she just found fireworks. He knows, line. she knows. They've both they talked past each other. They know what's going on. You know, I thought the hand signal that he did exploding the fireworks when he does that to wave goodbye later on in the store was cute too. It's clearly a, fr- a threat. Uh, yeah. I mean, and we see, this is we're not dealing with this kid that's by the book. He's playing very, he's very clever. The look on her face, Octavia Spencer, when he's walking away from that classroom, might be Oscar worthy right there. And we know that he's in on it and he knows exactly what he's doing because mm-hmm. if she really was accusing him of making threats and they were idle and it was just a giant misunderstanding, there's no outrage on his face. There's like contrived outrage at one point when he's saying, what are you talking about? But he knows what he's doing every step of the way. This is not a miscommunication. The fallout of this is is fascinating because the father, you get how the father deals with things. You threaten your teacher, like the father goes directly right at him. And to me, the father understands that that, all right, he's a kid, he's going to do wrong. And the mother's like, I got to protect him from everybody else realizing that he can do wrong because she knows kind of what society is. We need him to win. We need him to win. We need him to be We need him to be perfect. She knows that this is the reality out there, unfortunately. Because it's going to shine just it's as much terrible. on us. I mean, this is not, yeah, she, she has her faults as well. She's, it's justifying their last 20 years, right. the fact that they didn't have kids on their own, which becomes a big argument mm-hmm. that they have later in the movie. All right. Why did you have illegal fireworks in your locker? You get that speech. He's basically asking the parents to declare sides right here, which is, I love it as a parallel to later on in the film because we get the payoff argument between the mother and the father. Whose side are you on? The mother, she knows exactly that her son is wrong and committing kind of crimes in a way. Making bad decision after bad decision intentionally. And basically telling her husband like, all right, fine, I recognize this. I grant you that. Who's fucking side? But I will protect him from everything. I'm his mother. Yeah, it's great. It's great leading up. And again, we're forced, again, analyze the facts here. Okay, we have a teacher contacting the mother, contacting the father a couple days later about harassing a superstar student. Is that because she's just been threatened? Or is that because there's just been a miscommunication in her classroom and the mother didn't do anything for her liking and she has a vendetta against this kid, so now she's contacting the father? I just love how it all escalates. Now, this is a perfect storm in terms of a screenplay, but it escalates because it was just the paper after the Stephanie Kim comment, right? Mm-hmm. Which they're talking about in the car the day, the day before. And everything gets worse and worse and worse. Then fireworks. All right, but it's just fireworks, though, right? And then, boom, we get actual crimes committed later on are said to be committed and we actually get accusations later on in this film and and, and a couple more collisions between these characters mike i also really enjoyed the b story again purely structural here as a screenwriter i love to recognize the scaffolding at times and the b story it's connecting with the a story the b story is with the wilson sisters the wilson sisters have this loving dynamic so you get opening scenes about food breakfast together at the supermarket, creepy scene with Luce kind of colliding right at the middle of act, S- early act two. Son of a 
bitch. It's scary. <laughs> it's scary. And then mid-act two is when you get that explosion. But before that, you had the sister having an episode brought back to the recovery center. Those teeth tell you tell all you need there's to know about lo- her. There's a lot of B, C, D storylines that all do culminate. And it's what it not only adds to the characters and the exposition, but just makes this film so much richer. Because you have not only that st- storyline yeah. with not only Harriet's sister. We have the Stephanie Kim storyline, which is going to... We know something has happened to this girl. Right. And Luce has brought her, her name up to her parents saying that she's the shining example of who Miss Wilson always singles out and thought why she plays favorites and tokenism and why people start resenting her for it. And we come out to learn that Stephanie was probably a victim of sexual assault as she has a conversation with Naomi Watts' character as Naomi Watts is falling deeper and deeper into the spiral figuring out who her son is. So let's get there because this is the Act 2 climax, I guess. Sure. Mother sitting down with Stephanie Kim at the Starbucks. We were talking about it pre-production today. Is Stephanie Kim telling the mother a BS story? We don't know. Is it true? Is it false? Is it partially true? I don't think... I know this movie's unrealistic in many ways. I don't think Stephanie Kim could have been that good of an actress. Like, a real kid is not going to be that good of an actress. Yeah, but neither could Luce. That's my my entire argument. But the whole point is, Luce is really not a great actor. I mean, he's... For us, I, we watch that. We watch Luce, and Luce's phony baloney, like when he's on stage, and he and he's doing, he's relishing the extra phoniness at times. He's relishing that, and he and he's got like this David Lynchian thing where he's just got like that weird tone, like the tone is too much. And I like that performance again. Why I liked Harrison's performance more than most. I think Stephanie Kim is telling the truth there, but I'm in the screenplay by the facts, like you said, you lay out the facts. We don't know she's telling the truth here. If she's telling the truth, though, the question I have is, was Luce one of the Santa's laps? Yeah, and this is, she describes this Santa game where she was drunk at a party and being passed around guy's lap to guy's lap. They would touch her more and more inappropriately, and they would rate her on a one to three ho scale. Ho, ho, ho. It's gross. It's terrible. She, she says something even more disturbing. There are worse games. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. I'm freaking man. out. I can't believe these kids, what they're doing nowadays. <laughs> My God, Michael. So, that's one. Can't they no- go to the movies? <laughs> can't they just go to the movies and have some fun? <laughs> Another B storyline, and yet we have Deshaun, which is yet a third B storyline, who is... Deshaun used to be a track member of the track team. He was kicked off, and why was he kicked off? We come to learn that Mrs. Wilson found weed in Deshaun's locker, which, yeah. again, the track team all shares lockers. There's an insinuation when Deshaun shows up at the car wash that the weed may have been Luce's all along. Yeah. It's an insinuation. We don't find out. It's nothing more than that. But he's basically asking Luce, why are you the, the archetype put up on a pedestal? Why does everyone want you to succeed? And yet I get railroaded by the system. Why do you think that is? You can't answer it. Right. Other than the fact that the obvious stigmas that they both give off. And so that's the, what the whole movie's about. We have these worlds of stories all culminating to basically ask us the question, is Luce a good person or a bad person? Did he do these things purposefully? Or is it all just incidental and coincidental? Yeah. It all comes to a head at the 6 p.m. meeting where Octavia Spencer has the principal. We're going to get mom and dad in the room. We're going to get Luce in the room. We're going to hash all this out. And by the way, Stephanie has showed up to Octavia Spencer's, Mrs. Wilson's home in a previous scene accusing Luce of sexual assault. This is a wild sequence of events. Now, number one, do you think Deshaun did that, or do you think Stephanie actually did the uh, vandalism? Because Stephanie is there right, right after, there, right, right after the vandalism is discovered by Harriet. I have no idea. 
I, I, I don't, don't either. We know that Deshaun helps him. We because he's texting the both of them, right? Yeah. We know that Deshaun's helping him. We know that Stephanie's helping him. And Mrs. With the, the vandalism is Mrs. Wilson's home. Is N bitch is spray painted oh. on her window. It's right there. Stephanie basically sets up Mrs. Wilson at this point. Absolutely, hundred percent. To lose her job, and Luce is behind this. Yes, because she is going to have this meeting with the principal, where she's going to implicate herself in a future crime to the principal. So it's it's the perfect storm for her getting fired. And you don't get fired after you've been with with a school for fifteen years. You have tenure at that point. You're gonna get fired only if you commit like a freaking crime, right? Yeah. So essentially, Luce traps her. Yeah, this is Luce's, like, grand crescendo, this meeting. Mm -hmm. He admits that, okay, look, uh, I couldn't have vandalized your home. Why? Well, I don't want to show you this. I don't want anyone else to get in trouble. I'm still, I'll fall on my sword, but don't hurt my friends, righteous, you know, holier than Number one, you're all in trouble. You show that to the principal? of course. Oh, yeah. Easily, you're kicked off the team. I mean, any school's policy you show a principal a video a, a of video. you in a basement smoking weed, surrounded by a bunch of your friends. Yeah, and even though Luce was not smoking the weed, right. he's there, and you're getting it. You're Absolutely. in trouble. So that's Luce's alibi. Okay, well, this is all going very poorly for Harriet. So Harriet still got the ace in her hole, up her sleeve. Wait a minute, I still have Stephanie in a room waiting for me to get her so she can testify and tell the principal about the sexual assault allegation towards Luce. Let me go get her because all of this is going out of hand. This isn't going as I planned, according to Harriet. This is all bullshit. He's manipulating these people and they're buying it. Yeah. I'm going to go get the ace in the hole. She goes to get Stephanie. We learn Stephanie has run off. And that's when the light bulb goes on in Harriet's mind. I've been set up. This has all been a plot by Luce and he's playing puppet master and winning. And she thinks that was it? Oh, no. Now, yeah. you're, now you're fired because during that night, the fireworks go off in her classroom at her desk, which seems like is just Miss Wilson completely losing her shit, losing her mind or, you know, basically retaliating to, against the school. Now, there's a very, very important thing that happens within that meeting, which is before Miss Wilson goes to get Stephanie, she asks Naomi Watts to basically have her back. Because this fireworks storyline so, is something that doesn't that is unbeknown to the principal, no. and if it's true, it's it's enough to get loose in trouble and it's, suspended. It's human. I mean, people have done that before. I, I've seen people in arguments just completely put themselves in a vulnerable position where the person's not going to help them, but they've already been trapped and they want them to help them. Are you? What are you doing right now? You're justifying Naomi Watts? I'm justifying Octavia Spencer. Because okay. Octavia, that's a dumb move. You don't get the mother of a child. Well, the dumb move was made when you handed the fireworks over Over to, to the mother. Yeah, that's the dumb move. That, but it's also, it's even dumber to ask the mother to basically to verify implicate. And kill your son. son. Yeah. So she, this is exactly what happens. Octavia Spencer has not brought up the fireworks to anyone because again, we need Luce to succeed as a society. I'm not going to, I'm going to sweep this under the rug. Just talk to him. She hasn't told the principal about the fireworks. She hasn't told anybody about the fireworks. The first principal hears about the fireworks is Octavia Spencer saying, what did you do? Naomi Watts with the fireworks I handed you. And Naomi Watts put on the spot immediately for the first time decides to just lie. You never handed me fireworks. I don't know what Miss Wilson's talking about. She's protecting and covering her son. Since Miss Wilson is the first one to mention the fireworks, when the fireworks are found to be the cause of the fire that night in her classroom, she's further implicated as the one telling lies in this scenario. She's toast. She's done. Yeah. Next day, the mother follows Luce to Stephanie King. So that secret hideout, 
it, it, in a worse scene, let's just say this is a worse scene. You don't watch your son have sex with your son's girlfriend for a long How do moment. you get off? <laughs> no, I guess. It's right? terrible. I mean, maybe she's realizing her son is a mastermind. That's exactly is that I would what's going think. through yes, her head. I would think. But to the point where Stephanie leans back and sees her. Looks at her eye to eye, yeah. And this is after Luce. The big confrontation happens within Harriet Wilson's home. Luce goes to rub it in her face, essentially. That I have done all of this. I have manipulated you. You have lost you were wrong. because of me. And this is and he's And why did you lose? Her, because yeah. Go ahead. This is because Stephanie Kim, you've you put him put her in the victim corner. Now, is that guilt induced from Luce because he sexually assaulted Stephanie Kim and he's trying to cover that up? I don't know. Like if he was one of the laps of the Santa's laps, then he's guilty of that crime. He's we guilty of other crimes, at least we he's know for guilty sure. Guilty of the, yeah, yeah, other crimes. But right. it's it's and it's it's Stephanie Kim. It's what she did. It's railroading Deshaun, and it's putting me up on a pedestal. And it, Luce is thinking this. It's putting me on a pedestal while you railroad Deshaun and take away the only thing he has. Someone like me is going to be okay in life, but someone like Deshaun, all he ha- he's making these judgments right. about other people in the name of being a black man in America. And the it's a fascinating argument because fascinating. Octavia Spencer basically retorts to him that you have no idea what it's like to be a black person in America, yeah. but you will. Yeah. And it's it, it, there's so much luscious text and subtext in there. And I, I obviously I can't as a white person I don't I can't relate to it, but I just I would love somebody to explain what all that meant. Well, to, I, to I enjoy them. I enjoyed it as just like a real yeah. deep dive into. Personhood. I mean, you know, that's I, I get on actors and actresses when they when they talk about this. Well, the movie's about the human <laughs> condition and breathing air on the planet Earth. And but that Mike, it is. This is. You mentioned it before. <laughs> it was like, is Luce a good person or a bad person? The theme of this movie, he's a person. Right. That's the simple thing of it. He can do right he's and wrong. Of doing right this, and wrong. In every in one moment to the next and whether his background induces certain wrongs or certain rights, etc. Whether his parents induce certain modes of behavior etc bottom line is he's a person and octavia spencer is saying that society is not going to look at you and be that forgiving moment to moment society is going to paint you with one brush or the next you're going to have light on you or you're not and and the mother knows this and octavia spencer knows this and the to to have those dueling scenes or to have those back-to-back scenes where the mother fascinating uh, and and then octavia spencer both give loose their wisdom Mm -hmm. here is awesome because at the at the end scene where Luce gives the mother, in the symbol of the fireworks bag, while she is laying down... Did you think there were fireworks at first? I did at yeah, first. so did I. I thought he was going to try to still get away with it. But so he, did I. He's admitting to the mother, all right, you know everything, I know everything. Thank you for being in my corner. And in my opinion, this is what he's saying, remember the worst thing I ever did? Well, I just did something even worse than that. I threw a fish across the room when I was a kid. That was disgusting. Here's another fish. Let's try again. While he has tears streaming from his eyes. Uh, he looks like a madman. I mean, he's laugh- half laughing at certain things. I'm a really good liar, basically Well, he, saying, he mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he knows she She sees right through him. Oh, yeah, she her knows. I mean, her, the, the, whole, the whole veneer has come off. I mean, she right. sees this as a, a guy doing a lot of bad things in a row intentionally. There's no fooling mom anymore. And he's basically saying... Thank you for having my back, even though you know I've done these things. 
let's try to be a team from here in some Here's way. Here's a symbol of that. <laughs> There's no way this marriage lasts, by the way, because Tim Roth is already disgusted. I mean, he's past the point of, of being okay with what's going on. Mm, probably. Loose, too. Yeah. College years. Right. <laughs> just Tim Roth binge drinking. <laughs> I, just want the, I just want him feeding the fish to open up the uh, movie. The fish. Tim Roth recounts a story uh, about how when Loose was a little kid, he had this pet fish, and he took it out and threw it across the room, and that killed it because he wanted to see the fish fly. Is him giving Naomi Watts a new fish at the end of this movie? Obviously, it's a token of gratitude, appreciation, whatever. Is that also him admitting, I've always known right from wrong? I knew that fish couldn't fly. I just had this in me. I needed to get to, to do it. I think the movie is saying that nobody is either a saint or a monster. And Which is that's the comparison what, Luce makes. And yeah. that's what Luce says. Like, that's the, him stating the theme at the end of the movie. Everybody fucks up to various degrees at all times. But he's choosing to fuck up so much. Yeah, like, these are his mean choices. He is evil. That means he is. No, it means he has a, a, a more a, a penchant for harm than he, the normal person. He crosses lines and he, he basically is vindictive against his teacher. And right. to every slight, and it gets worse, to every escalation, he goes bigger. And right. then, of course, once the cards are on the table and the teacher no, hates you and once you cross that line, you threaten her in a very unique way and and then she is still on your ass, all right, fine, now i got to get rid of her. And, and he, he crosses lines to do it. He's wrong. He's a kid. I mean, he's, a, he's supposed to be a 17-year-old kid here. He's wrong. Now, look, I'm glad I don't have to deal with operators like this kid. <laughs> that's all I know. Well, that's, I mean, that's the biggest drawback yeah. in the movie for me. It is impossible for an 18-year-old child to perfect this plan and do exactly what Luz did unless every adult involved in the storyline messes up from step one of what their responsibilities are. And that's the thing. The parents make mistakes, and that's the whole cycle of it. And I like that because I think that's the way things are. I think if I analyze history, that's history. Mike, if I'm in a room where I've done a crime, and I'm about to cost this teacher her livelihood. Yeah. And my parents are presented with the evidence that I've done this crime. Can you just have the teachers back? That I'm not only losing that moment, deciding with the teacher, I'm getting my ass beaten as an 18-year-old when we get home. Hmm. That's happening. And that's not just happening to me. I was in the honors classes of a middle to middle class to high middle class school, mostly primarily suburban and white. That would have happened with 99% of my classmates as well. I knew their parents. I agree with you. <laughs> you also had a good upbringing. And your parents are saying, well, look, we didn't raise you to be this way. Right. For this kid, these parents have been basically putting out fires with his upbringing. And it's a completely different circumstance. Ten, I can't. I understand that. It's totally different. That's why I think it works still. Because Naomi Watts has been bringing him to therapy every day. And how many outbursts, how many crazy things does so she deal with? So in your mind, it's her saying, I have to cover these things because there's no other choice. No, I have to cover up the big fuck-ups. Right. Because he can't. Because you failing is me failing, and I couldn't have failed. Right. And I can't have a failed family life. Right. And that's the big argument with the, the father. And, he, and, she, and it's great because even in the biggest part of that argument, she recognizes how wrong she is, which is the guilt-ridden tears of the last, you mm -hmm. know, what, what she does with lose. But she recognizes how wrong she is, and she just closes her eyes and yells it into the air. La, la, Whose la, side? La, la. Yeah, la, la, la. Whose side are you on? And I love that. His plan is wholly dependent on... Naomi Watts lying 
believably the moment she's presented with a chance to. That was a gigantic shortcoming in the script. Well, he knows he has his mother wrapped around his finger. He he, he knows him and his mother... She, he knows if she hesitates yeah. in that scenario, his plan's over in that meeting, in that 6 p.m. meeting. If, he, if, if Harriet says, I gave you the fireworks, and her answer is anything other than, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, but he still has an out saying, you know, it could have been somebody else's fireworks. Yeah, but regardless, the next thing that happens is the fireworks set a fire to the school. Right, he doesn't. So have she, to, he's implicated. Like he, it all it unravels. He doesn't have to go through with that plan. If it, and further, right, if a student shows up at your doorstep, accusing another student of sex assault, you cannot be personally involved as, and you have to report. Half you're a mandatory reporter as a teacher. Your first call is to the cops. The principal has to report that when the other teacher. Right, the teacher. Report, like she reported the day, the day earlier. And he would have gotten fired. Mike, yeah. there's something similar in one of the, our local towns where a principal just got fired for something very similar right. to that. You, and Did you, not do, use the chain of command properly. It changes the entire dynamic of that meeting because that meeting would have had a police officer in it, that 6 p.m. meeting. Mm-hmm. And if the police officer discovered Stephanie ran away, Stephanie gets arrested. And then Stephanie gets interrogated. Yeah. Stephanie probably gives up loose. Luce goes to jail for all his crimes. Right, it doesn't happen that way. Right, so I mean... They, they take matters in their own hands. Yeah, there were gigantic... And that's what we mean by like... The, the procedural Yes, didn't the procedural work. part yeah. didn't work. Otherwise, this is a fascinating psychological thriller. Fascinating. I totally went off script. I had paragraphs written down here. We both... <laughs> like, <laughs> we both not, just yeah. wanted to go and discuss the movie like we're at a coffee shop. Because I'm still not... I still don't have it. it. I, I mean, there's stuff that you're saying that you see as fact, and I looked at it the completely opposite way... You I could I, be right. I no, I don't think... I, I mean, I'm seeing... What you say makes sense, but I still don't have a grasp on this is my point overall. I want to see it again. And let me tell you, when we put hours into research and studying and doing these OSPs, I'm done with these fucking movies when, I'm <laughs> done, when we're done talking about them. And this isn't one of those. That's why I say I think there's more to this as a film than and, and like a moment, a cultural touchstone, than there may be as an Oscars movie. And then I come back to these movies as going to sleep movies. <laughs> right. like three billboards, the favorite. I could just, I know it. I know it front to back. I, could, I know that story. I can go to sleep. Uh, let's wrap up here. So obviously, surmising, both big fans of this. Both say watch. Both have some... Issues because we are cursed with having been in a public school system. Right. Uh, what do you have for a grade here? I have a B plus eighty eight. Again, highs are high, lows are frustrating, very frustrating. Very frustrating. However, I still think screenwriting wise, I, I really love this script. That's why I was kind of pushing it before for adapted screenplay. I really love that uh, all the performances. It's worth it just for those reasons. How this hasn't made a million dollars at the box office yet crazy. blows my freaking mind. I mean, if this was loose as done by name a mainstream director right now, you know, like that can add any cachet to it. That's not to say Ona didn't do a fantastic job. I'm right. just saying there's no reason. I, I'm, I'm riding your coattails here. There's no reason to not see this movie. It is fantastically done. Absolutely agree. I'm a hard 85. Uh, that three-point curve came in. I can see myself bumping up to a B-plus though after more watches. I just and need, I, I want to get more on it. I didn't share my doc with you until late, so yeah. you didn't know what no, my grade I didn't. was. And we I still didn't. had a three-point curve. Yeah, and I'm, I, I could be convinced otherwise. I can be uh, more convinced. Um, you seem to come down hard on watching your theoretical child have sex. Have you changed your mind about that at all? Or? No, no, no absolutely there. not. Yeah, no. If, if you're a parent, you walk in, <laughs> oh, dude! And yell, <laughs> ah! Stop that! And then, But while you're turned the other way. 
Of course, it's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. It's like the thirty-year-olds in the track team in the same heat as your star, hundred-meter runners. Total <laughs> effing bullshit. Clearly, uh, we want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns. Not necessarily about that, but about loose and anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. Do you think it has Oscar's legs? Do you think it's more so than just Octavia Spencer? Do you think it's not Octavia Spencer? We want to hear from you. Let us know. You can reach out to us. Leave us those comments at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on the Twitter machine. Mike, Mike, and Oscar.com at gmail.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And if you take a couple seconds out of your day, uh, do you or tell your friend, go to your podcast app in your iPhone, hit the search, type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar, then submit. You will be able to tap on our cartoon faces waving back at you. Uh, if you just scroll down from there and leave us a five star review, those truly go a long way. We thank you for doing that. Michael, what is coming next from MMO? What are some words of wisdom? I don't remember what we said they were in the non-spoiler section. So you may have to remind me if you remember. And if not, we could just pretend that never happened. I can just leave this in and it'll be a mission. There's wisdom in the non-spoiler <laughs> section. I think my brain has gone dead. It Chapter 2 is going to be a movie event for us next week. We're going to continue our Joker character study. We got MMOW. We got Oscar Race Checkpoint as our two weekly news recap variety shows. Cool segments, all stuff going on, audience yeah. interaction. We love both of those shows. Mike, what are going to be the Oscar Sprint profiles of the next month, of the month of September? You know, it could be Monos. It could be The Goldfinch. It could be Downton Abbey. Yeah, I'm could be. That. Is that it a movie be. event? Is that an Oscar Sprint profile? I don't know. Could be neither. It could be neither. <laughs> Add Astra is something you probably want to do. I just want to put money into that. <laughs> you want to put money into that? What? Could it be Judy or even Abominable in the animated film category? Those are coming out in September. We also got some indie releases. What are we going to cover? We'll, we'll figure it out. Let us know if you want us to cover sure. something in particular. Absolutely. Guys, like we always say when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Don't play with fireworks. <laughs> See ya. Yeah.